0: I mean that, that song was beautiful, and um we didn't need to butcher it with our singing. just let them do it <laughs> um, man this is uh this is a bookend today I mean, this is the end of a year long series we've i've never done i've been in now full time ministry twenty six years or twenty seven whatever it is, and all the sermons i've done all the series i 've done i 've never done a year long one uh, mainly because I think my preaching ADHD wouldn't let me go that long, right? i just kind of get burned down on it by then. Um, but we decided early on that we just felt like, um, and I would say early on, like last December, that the theme for this year should be Reclaim. And maybe it was just me, but I was just, man, I was sick and tired of myself, of my family, of our church, of other churches, of Christians. Letting Satan win, and that's kind of what had happened over the last couple of years, right? Like, man, this pandemic, politics, uh, social unrest, everything that's happened in our, in our society, in our world over the last three years has sucked the life out of us. And that is not the life that Jesus came. That is not why he arrived. To, uh, it's not why he came to earth. He said, I've come that you may have life and that you will have it more abundantly. He didn't come so that we could walk through this desert constantly of desolation and and despair and sadness and depression. And it's time for us as believers, if we really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that it's time we plant our flag and reclaim our lives to reclaim our marriages, to reclaim our families, to reclaim our walk with, with God, to, to reclaim our jobs, to reclaim our neighborhoods, our schools, our campuses, whatever it is that may be, that we say enough is enough. I am reclaiming this for Jesus. And so we've done that over the last 12 months. We've just kind of taken this idea of reclaim and we've, we've, we've chewed it up in bites, Right? I and mean, that's the old adage, like how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And that's this idea of reclaim is not as easy as preaching one sermon and saying, all right, everybody go reclaim. And we went out the door and then Tuesday we're like, what was that word again? No, you know, it was something that we're going to drive this home. We're going to think about this. We're going to week after week, you know, that even though we may be talking about different things, about, um, you know, repurposing or repenting or, or resiliency, that the overall theme that we're going to be thinking of is going to be this idea of reclaiming. And so that's what we're, um, we're going to wrap up with today. That's going to be uh, our, our final bookend to this series. And so um, if you would pray for me this morning as I pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for just bringing us together today. We thank you so much for this series and what... Um, Hopefully it's done. I know it's done in my life, Lord. I know the, uh, the resurrection that I have felt and experienced over these last 12 months. A renewal of faith, of hope, of peace and love. But Lord, it's not as easy as just saying it. It's not as easy as just waking up. There's no magic spiritual pill that we take. We have to be willing to do our part. We have to be willing to stand up and say, I'm ready to reclaim this no matter the cost. And Lord, there's still things in our lives that we need to reclaim, but there's still things in our lives that we need to take back from the enemy. Let today be the day that we realize that. And our prayer is, God, we'll do whatever it takes. From our relationships, our walk with you, our, our life with our spouses or our kids, parents, where we work, the communities we live in. Let us reclaim all of it for you. It is in your holy name that we pray. Amen. So we've been looking at this series in December, it kind of kicked off uh, the last Sunday of November with the first Sunday of Advent um, as we lead up to to Christmas. This idea of of getting the gift, right? I mean, we we see it all the time, we hear it, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season, you know, Jesus is the gift. You know, all of these things about Christ being this gift. And as I said a couple weeks ago, sometimes we get gifts that are amazing, but we don't know how to utilize them. So we just barely scratch the service. And for most of us, that is our walk with Jesus. We get this gift of life. When we give our life to God, he gives us Jesus. He gives us the Holy Spirit. But we just barely scratch the service most of the time. We don't tap into everything that Jesus is here willing to offer. And so what we've done over the last four weeks is we've kind of broke this down and said, Okay, so, so Jesus came. What did he bring? What were the gifts that he brought that we need to be utilizing a little bit more? We talked about the gift of life. We talked about the gift of of navigation. Last week, we talked about the gift of strength. All of these things in which Jesus is that we need in our lives. This week, we're going to be looking at the fourth one, and it's the gift of restoration. The gift of restoration is the first word on our wall. It's the first word that we think of when we think of Isaiah 58, 12, which is our, our core verse To restore. The definition of restoration is this. It says an action of returning something to a former owner, place, or condition. Now, I'm going to read it again. The action of returning something, returning, right? To a former owner, place, or condition. I'm going to be Captain Obvious, all right? If something's brand new, it probably doesn't need to be restored, Right? When we think about things that are restored, we think about things um, that are older or maybe have, been, um, have gone through some type of, of damage or maybe they've just been worn down um, over years of erosion or maybe there's been some type of abuse or, or a traumatic experience. Whatever it happened to that thing, right? There's a reason it needs to be restored. Nobody's going to go over to a dealership and buy like a 2022 Corvette, And come home and start sanding it down. And you wouldn't do that, right? You're not going to buy a brand new home that that literally no one's ever lived in. And walk in and start ripping out cabinets. You're not going to do that. So the restoration happens because that thing in which we had needs new life. A couple of examples of this as I was thinking about it. I pick on my father-in-law, Tommy, about this all the time. He's the only man I've ever known that bought a BMW at a yard sale right? Like, like, this can only happen in Stokes County, I, honestly. Tom went to a yard sale to buy a lawnmower and came home with a BMW. So, he was at this yard sale, and, and I, all the particulars, there was this BMW convertible parked under a tree. It was nasty, dirty. Owner didn't even know if it ran. Tommy's like, you selling that? They're like, sure. He made a crazy offer. They took it. He brought it home. He restored it. He cleaned it up, tuned it up, washed, did everything he could, replaced what needed to be replaced. Now, Shirley, you go up there on a weekend, she's zipping around Hanging Rock in this little convertible two-door BMW, right? That one day will be passed along to her daughter, right? Yeah, that's that's what she, uh, I'm throwing that in the inheritance. That's what we're getting. But she has something now that is beautiful. And if you saw this car, if she drove it here today, you'd be like, holy cow, that looks brand new. No, it was beat up. It was worn down. It had been neglected, but someone took it. And saw something that could be beautiful and restored it. Amazing. I have a friend. She bought a house not too far from mine and Beth's home. And I'll never forget, it was a foreclosure. And, uh, and as you can think, you know, when you buy homes that are foreclosures, they've normally been neglected, right? They've been worn down. They've been beat up. And the funniest story, she said when we bought that house, we walked in, she was like, there was an engine in the house. I was like, what do you mean, Engine. She was like, in the living room, there was a car engine on an engine hoist. The guy who owned the house was rebuilding an engine in the living room of this house. She said there was like oil all over the place, Greek. She said the whole place. So the first thing they had to do to restore a house is to remove the engine from the living room. Right? I mean, that's something. That, that's, that's, that guy abused that house, right? That wasn't what it was made for. He was using it for something totally different. Sometimes there's traumatic events. Uh, Ten years ago now, um, this is pretty significant. It happened in Colorado. Um, it had been an incredibly dry winter, the winter of 2012. And that summer, it, was, it, was, it, it continued dry, like single-digit humidity. But it was like 100-degree days. And finally, a, a thunderstorm, lightning storm came up. And lightning started a, a forest fire. I don't know if you all remember this. But it burned over 15,000 acres. It engulfed 350 homes, and 32,000 people had to be evacuated and rehomed. Like sometimes life comes at us, and there's that traumatic event. You're just going along, living life as normal. Maybe there's, a, there's some things that are happening in the atmosphere of your life, but then it just takes one thing to ignite it, and then things happen. So sometimes we need restoration Not just because there's been neglect or not because there's been some kind of abuse. Sometimes it's just a traumatic event that happens that we honestly never saw coming. And sometimes we need restoration because life is just weary, right? Isn't that where we are right now? Like this weariness of COVID, this weariness of the pandemic. To me, like I said before, that was the greatest thing about Christmas for the city yesterday. There was like this freshness and this newness of like it Felt like 2019. And it was like we had crested this hill. Now, the world may go to hell again tomorrow, right? But for yesterday, it was beautiful. It was awesome. And it felt good because we were so weary of what it had been. Many years ago, um, pre-kids, this is the kind of fun stuff we we used to do before kids. Uh, Beth and I and John and Jennifer, we went to the beach. Remember that? We didn't go to any beach. We had this guy in our house, in our church that we were at at the time, um, a real successful uh, doctor, and him and his wife had uh, just absolutely gorgeous, like, it's like three stories, wasn't it? I mean, right on the beach, right on the Gulf of Mexico, just down from uh, Pensacola, Florida. I mean, it was like white sand beaches. It was absolutely gorgeous. Navarre Beach, there it sat. Well, we went in, um, I don't even know what year it was, I want to say like maybe 97, 98, no, so 99, we went, and uh, it was just absolutely beautiful. The house was pristine, the beach was pristine, everything was great. Well, and, and later in that fall, in 99, um, Hurricane Dennis came through. And Hurricane Dennis hit right, almost a direct hit. And what it did was it took away all the sand. It took away, it washed away walls. It washed away everything that had been holding back the tides from not just his house, but all these houses. Erosion started happening over time. The city, or for whatever reason, the state didn't kind of start rebuilding the beach quick enough. And a few years later, Hurricane Ivan came through. And it was a direct hit onto Navarre Beach. And it took their entire house took everything. They lost everything. All the houses on that beach were gone, just flooded or washed out to sea. It was like five years in between hurricanes. And sometimes that happens in our lives. We get hit with something, you know, the metaphorical hurricane of our own life. And instead of reinforcing, instead of digging in, instead of starting to rebuild and be ready for the next one, we just kind of sit and think either, it's not going to happen again, or I'll get to it later, or it's not that important. And inevitably, another hurricane is going to hit our life. And if we're not prepared, more gets washed away. And I think that's kind of what the pandemic did. I think for a lot of years, we as believers and Christians have been hit after hit after hit. And whatever it may be, whether it was national or local or even just in your personal life, the loss of a broken marriage or, or, or kids just doing some things that, that you don't want them to do or a loss of loved ones or a loss of a job, you know, whatever it may be. Like these things were happening. And when we should have been reinforcing, when we should have been building back and being ready for that next hurricane, we kind of didn't. And then all of a sudden, a hurricane of this global pandemic hit. And man, it washed away a lot of us, didn't it? It took us out. It took away our joy, our hope, our drive. It it, it, it was like I've said it a lot. It's like a wet blanket over top of us. We lost our zeal for life. We lost our zeal for for Christianity, for the Bible, for God. For whatever reason, we just felt like, "Ah, what's the point? This isn't something new, though. I mean, you got to think this isn't just a modern-day problem. This all started in the garden. This all started thousands and thousands of years ago where where God created everything and it was beautiful and it was perfect. And he made man and he said, man, you know what, I I, I think I've done everything, but it's not good for man to be alone. And he he brought in woman and and you had this husband and wife, you had this Adam and Eve, and you had just this creation and the garden and everything was perfect. Until sin, until it wasn't. And then all of a sudden this erosion started the life of Adam and Eve and their kids and their kids' kids and so on until it finally got to this point where God says, enough's enough. I'm going to reclaim this world. And the only way that I can reclaim this world is by sending my son. The arrival of my son will be the reinforcement that is needed to hold back the waves, to build back up and to give my people a breath. And that's what he did. The arrival of Jesus changed everything. But here's the thing. Jesus did not come to this earth so that we would sin less. Jesus didn't come to this earth to teach us how to manage life. Jesus came to restore souls. That is why he came. Because this world had been neglected. This world had been abused. This world had had traumatic event after traumatic event. And this world was weary. And the only thing that could make it new was the restoration through Jesus. One of my absolute favorite verses, Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. You all heard that, right? If you grew up in church, you've heard that. But here's the thing. This word saved, when you look at it in the Greek, the word is actually sozo. And the word sozo in the Greek means this. It means to deliver, protect, heal, persevere, make whole, and restore. It changes things a little bit, doesn't it? Because now, for the Son of Man came to seek and restore that which was lost. We need restoration this Christmas. We need to be restored. I know some of y'all's stories. Some of them I don't. Some of them I know just a scratch of. But I know one thing: I stand up here every week and I look into the eyes and the souls of a church that needs restoration. And it's not just you, it's be any church in this world, because we are a people who need to be restored. If we weren't, what's the point in Jesus? What's the point of the arrival? The point is we live in a world, whether your world, if you just want to look at the, the micro of the last two or three years, or if you want to look at the macro your entire life, decisions you made, decisions that uh, you regret, things, sin, whatever, your past. Maybe things that happened that you had no control over, but it was traumatic and it was abuse and it altered your life forever. Maybe just maybe just event after event has just made you weary Wherever you're at this morning, maybe you're like, Mike, I'm all for. Maybe you're like, man, I'm looking at my life, and, and there's been neglect in my life. There's been abuse in my life. There, there's been, man, traumatic event after traumatic event. And I'm sitting here this morning, or I'm watching on, online, or I'm listening to podcast. but I am weary. I am tired. Well, here's the good news. Jesus gets it. He understands. God understands. He understood that the world 2,000 years ago felt the same way that we feel today. And God had an answer. The answer was his son who came to seek, to find, and to restore us. Our hearts, our souls, no matter what we've been through. He reclaimed us. When he was born in that manger. That was God putting his flag in the ground. Say, Satan, you will not win. I am reclaiming this world. I'm reclaiming my people. And now isn't it time for us to stand up and reclaim that ourselves? To be made whole again. Be restored. Amen? Man, that's what Christmas is about. As cool as the BMW story is, or as funny as the engine in the house story is, or as tragic as the fires in Colorado, or the erosion of a beach. Restoration was needed in all of those areas the same way restoration is needed in us. My invitation to you this morning is to accept the the restoration of Jesus. It doesn't have to be this way. We can do better because he did better we can be restored because he is the creator of restoration. It doesn't wipe away our past. It doesn't erase any trauma or neglect. None of those things, right? None of those things are erased. They're not gone. But God can redeem those things. And out of those things, he can make something new. Isaiah 58, from the rubble, of past lives, I will make something new. You will restore, rebuild, and renovate and make your community livable again. God's in the restoration business. He's in the business of restoring everything about us. And my prayer for you, this season of Advent, you allow God to restore your hope your joy, your peace, and your love. Let's pray. Thank you for being a God of restoration. Thank you for being a God that restores us even when we don't feel like we're able to be restored. We look in the mirror, we look at our past, we know our lives, we've known uh, the things that we've experienced in our lives, Lord, and maybe we feel like, and maybe Satan has convinced us, Lord, that we're beyond restoration. But God, that is not the truth. The truth is you are a God who restores. You are a God that sozo. You sent Jesus to seek and restore that which was lost so that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Lord, this morning, let that be our gift to ourselves. It's not a gift that we can give away. It is a gift that we need to selfishly give ourselves this morning. The gift of accepting restoration. No matter what it may take, no matter what pain or time or process needs to go on for us to be restored. Lord, this morning, let that be our prayer. Let us put our flag in the ground and say, God, I will not take it anymore. This world will not make me weary anymore. Restore me. Do whatever it takes to restore my heart, my soul, my mind. Let us accept that gift. Let us reclaim what you've given us. And it is in your holy name that we all say, amen.